the Spanish announce table. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tim. How are you? I am well. This is uh, yet another week's edition of the Spanish announce table. Are you excited? I am. Are you pumped? You know, this, uh, I wouldn't say I'm pumped, but uh, we had a great night of Wednesday night action from both NXT and AEW, so that always gets me in the great mood to do a podcast, which we're doing tonight, Thursday. Um, so yeah, overall doing real. That's great. Uh, before we get into the silliness, uh, as you know, everyone knows, yes, it's a pro wrestling podcast, but we are the stars. What did you do this week, Tom? The fans want to know. So, uh, as many of you know, uh, I, I work a part-time job for the athletic commission of the great state of Kansas and great since, state. yeah, it is a great state like, uh, Adam and Sean Wheelock, all the guys uh, in the executive positions over there at the athletic commission, uh, for Kansas. Uh, but as I mentioned, I work for them part-time and we did our first event post pandemic. Uh, no fans were yeah. allowed. It was, uh, it was during a- pandemic first event during pandemic. Well, post the pandemic hitting, you yes. know what I mean? So yes. post pandemic yes. shutdown. Right. Yes. Yes, it's still going on, but it has happened and it's happening. Uh, anyhow, um, so we know it, yeah, man. I'm just being the yeah. dude, and not the first time. Uh, kidding. Um, so or uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no fans. Uh, no fans okay. allowed. It uh, aired on Fight TV as a so, pay per view show. So did they have you go out and stand in the crowd and yell things? No. So what my responsibility was for this show is uh, Kansas is the only athletic commission in North America uh, that does open scoring. And for those who have never seen a fight before, uh, what that means is in between rounds, traditionally speaking in boxing and in mixed martial arts, uh, in between rounds, the fighters go back to their corners. uh, They get their instruction from their cornermen or women. Uh, and then they just go into the next round. They don't know if they won or lost that fight or round. They don't know if it was a draw, if they really lost by two points, nothing like that. So the state, state of Kansas, uh, I helped institute uh, with some, you know, just tweaks and opinions. Uh, we do open scoring. So what that means is in between rounds now, we have two tablets in the red and the blue corner. And we have two people that will show the cornerman the score of that previous round. And if they choose to share it with their fighter, they can. Or the fighter can just turn around to look behind them and look at what the score was uh, so that they know, hey, I'm down two rounds. Or, hey, I thought I lost that round, but actually the judges gave it to me. Uh, So now there's some more transparency uh, in allowing the fighters to know, you know, what they did in that previous round. It's very similar to, like, Think of if you played an NBA game and you never got to see the score. You're like, well, yeah, I think I'm up by six. Annoying. Right, exactly. So uh, we are the first state in North America or in United States, but also in North America to do open scoring. And so for this event, I was in charge of that. So I made sure that the Excel spreadsheets were up and running, that all three judges had access to the same Excel spreadsheet, that it was so coordinated. So like a chalkboard. No, 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 no. We we have uh, we had four tablets. One was the main tablet that compiled all three judges' scores, uh, so that it had a running total. And then um, the three judges themselves had their own individual one where they could score each round just for themselves. Uh, and then obviously we had two extra ones for each 
uh, inspector to show the cornerman. So it was my responsibility to round that all up and make sure it works smooth and swimmingly. Uh, and it did. And also, this was the uh, first card, to the best of our knowledge, we were informed this, but we didn't really fact check it. But if Tapology tells us, Tapology is like the stand, it's like the Wrestling Observer, but for uh, fight statistics. Think of it that way. Uh, they notified us that we were the first North American uh, card to do five different styles of combat uh, competition. So there was uh, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, combat jiu-jitsu, which is uh, submission wrestling except for open hand strikes, uh, and then bare knuckle boxing. So we did five different styles of competition in one night and we pulled it off and it was a good fun night out there in Abilene, Kansas, the hometown of Dwight Eisenhower, our 34th president. And it was a good time. How many did you win? How many fights? You know, there was one guy who I've seen a few times and he's not a bad person. I don't like him, but he's not a bad person, right? It's just one of those people who are like, I just don't like having you around like in me. the same space. Well, except for we're, there's enough distance, right? I'm at my home. You're at your home. After this podcast is over, I hang up on you. We're done. Yeah, this, we never talk to each other until this right, time next Yeah, week. until the next week. It works out perfect for me. But this guy, I just, I just, he rubs me the wrong way. Again, he's never done anything personal to me, but he fought that night. And I've been getting the itch to compete and, you know, get back into some physical activity, uh, you know, that hurts people and stuff like that. And so I was just like, I want to fight that guy. I was like, I think I could really have fun hurting that person. Uh, so I didn't fight anyone, but I definitely thought about it for a long time. So it was fun. The one, uh, couple interesting notes is, uh, it wasn't held in a venue. It was held in a gym since there was no fans. It was able to accommodate the pay-per-view portion of the event, uh, so it was in a gym, no air conditioning, which really sucked. And we wore gloves and uh, a face mask the entire time. So from three to midnight, I was in a face mask. Uh, fun fact, those are not that accommodating to keep body temperature low. It is very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, of course not. That would be miserable, man. I got to have like at least moving air, you know? Yeah, it was it was a lot of, you know get about 10 feet away from the next person, open up the face mask to breathe down just to, you know, get some, like you said, flowing air to your face and then put it back on, get back to your work. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, uncomfortable, but Hey, we made it work. Uh, fight TV was happy with, uh, the event. So that was a plus and, uh, we move on to the next, you know, next up is Invicta the, I think the day before, uh, Independence Day, so July 3rd, which I think is a Thursday night here in Kansas City. So that's my next event. Tom. Just keep on rolling. You know what I'm saying? You're changing the fight game. I'm trying. It's fun. It's really fun to be part of history. You know, I've been a part of a few different historical uh, events in MMA. Not, ne not necessarily anything like earth shattering, like changing the game. But it's still nonetheless really cool to be a part of history. So you know, like I said, the first event to have five different disciplines that I was in charge of open scoring that I was in charge of. Uh, I've also done a concert and fights at the same time, which typically isn't done. So, yeah, I've been a part of a, really, there. Uh, a lot of cool things. Yeah, you have. Uh, and uh, yeah, generally speaking, really good time. Well, that's great, man, for accomplishing some stuff and uh, and uh, having fun while doing it. How about that? Not well, a, what about you? What were you thing. up to? Anything? 
Well, you know what you you were up to since you didn't have a big eventful week. Uh, we can roll right into our recap. Uh, you watched NXT in your house, I'm assuming, because you do a podcast about professional wrestling. So let's get right into that. Generally speaking, Tim, what did you think leaving uh, NXT in your house? Did you thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle? How'd you feel post uh, event? I think this is one of the few times when I watched an NXT where I, I still thought it was good, really good show, but I didn't come away thinking, all right, this is a top five takeover, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think it was one of those that didn't kind of push the boundaries, but damn solid performances all the way around and even really good ones, right? So um, I came away thinking, yeah, solid, solid A for me. I liked a lot of things about this uh, event. One, I liked that it was two hours long going back to the original In Your Houses. It wasn't this marathon six-hour event where uh, each match gets 42 minutes to, you know, breathe. Um, I like the Todd Pettengill uh, promo videos throughout, which I think yeah, I called. The, the 900 numbers. Right. right. Yeah, you did call. Yeah, you said we would see Todd Pettengill if he's still alive. Right. And Tom, he's still alive. Uh, also, on top of that, though, I like the Ico Pro, like Adam Cole saying Ico yes. Pro is what gets him, you know, from match to match or whatever it was. Uh, so they did the good nostalgic uh, you know, Johnny Gargano lives in the in your house set. Apparently the Doc Hendricks thing right before he walks out of the uh, house. Uh, there was a lot of good touches of nostalgia, but obviously updated. Right. Like you said, Todd Pettengill referencing the 900 number. And he's like, oh, those don't exist anymore. So I thought it was good. It, it, it was fun. It was a fun, nice, enjoyable event, uh, generally speaking. But you want to start kind of recapping anything else from there? Yeah, let's just run through the card. You know, one of my favorite moments, too, is also when you talk about AOL and it goes to DX and now they're the old guys and can't figure it out, right? A little hokey, but DX is always Yeah, good. well, and then the other thing that the internet uh, made me aware of is the running joke that Shawn Michaels doesn't know how to use a computer. So they showed back in, uh, you know, 1995, 1996, whatever it was, he's like hand pecking the keys and then he goes to like the reformed uh dx in 2005 and right before he kicks stan in the face he's doing again the hand pecking on a but computer think about it he might not know how i mean he was when computers were booming he was running around the country not having to use one right and then when he retired you know what's he gonna use one for uh, you well, know. the only thing I was thinking, yeah, that is that is a great point. The only thing I was thinking that maybe he became a master of is because obviously travel has changed from 95 to today. So the booking of a flight and a hotel and things like that, maybe he's competent just doing that alone. But yeah, maybe he yeah, doesn't know how to I'm do sure it. I'm sure he probably knows how to you know, maneuver one, but maybe that's part of why it's a gag, right? Maybe they're like, Hey, you don't know how to use computers. Yeah. Maybe his manager does it or his wife or his kids. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't know how to use a computer. It's, it's a work or excuse me. It's a shoot. It's not a work. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's, well, yeah, maybe they're work shooting. Mm -hmm. right. Who knows? All right. Well, the first match of the show, at least I didn't catch if there was a kickoff. I didn't even look. Um, and, uh, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart defeating Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I mean, you know, I think we kind of called this match like these these girls can all go, but I mean, there there's nothing that you're like, oh my god, did you see in this match that I really felt like I took away from it? But um, I'd give this match a solid performance, right? I mean, they they accomplished what they set out to do, right? And you kind of said it, faces smile, all right, everybody ready? Yeah, exactly. It was all right. That was the first one. Now, because it didn't have a story, you know, obviously it's good versus bad, but there was no bitter feud or 
reason really other than you're like-minded like me to team up things like that so it was what it was it happened again like you said they all can have a functional match uh Shotzi Blackheart has a special place in my heart seeing her at Journey Pro so I like her for that also seeing her in Evolve um so yeah it happened and what was next next was the demon versus the priest Finn Balor getting the win over Damian Priest, which, uh, you know what, I would say was interesting because it doesn't look like they're rushing Finn Balor to the to be challenging Adam Cole, right, or, or anything. So him getting the win over Priest, who, you know, this one just kind of took me for a little bit of a surprise. But, I mean, you, you've built Balor also to be this big name who's, you know what I mean, P- probably pseudo above the league if you will so you know sometimes he's got to win especially if this continues maybe but i don't know maybe it doesn't yeah so going uh, a little bit forward to wednesday night uh, after finn got a win over cameron grimes he essentially calls out keith lee and says once you're done playing house you know come see me and so it looks like we're gonna get a title feud between keith lee and finn balor that's gonna be good i think that'll be fun uh, i bet they're gonna have a really cool match whenever that happens uh, but I don't, again, I would have rather had Damian Priest get the win. You get one more match out of the, the two of them together. That's when the demon comes back. Hopefully by that time, fans or a limited amount of fans can be uh, in at least a full cell arena kind of capacity. You see the demon, they all go crazy. That makes us go crazy. You could have done that. And I think that would have been a little bit cooler than just the win for Finn kind of thing. Uh, but hey, you know kind of like what WWE is collectively. It is what it is. So that's a thing, right? Like if you're not going to build what Balor's doing right now to a big enough program where we involve the demon, why are we doing that with Damian Priest? That's the character that you would want to highlight that kind of battle, right? This otherworldly supernatural. Yeah. Like, that's his shtick. So why wouldn't we have a feud that gets there with Finn Balor? So that's where I'm thinking maybe this still, but, I mean, we'll kind of flow in later into NXT. Like, I don't think that's the idea that we're getting. So Yeah, um, and we can cover this after uh, our recap of In Your House, but it was recently announced uh, that the creative teams for Raw and SmackDown are combining. Um, so it looks like Bruce Pritchard will be in charge what? and Paul Heyman will focus on his on-screen uh, personality brand split is going away. Yeah. And that's fine. But to, to the bigger point, weird that it's two different networks though. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but going back to your point of uh, just to me, it just seems like we're, we're not thinking big picture. We're not thinking long term. We're not thinking, uh, reward the fan for weekend week out viewing. It's just, Hey, this will be fun for two months because that would be fun, right? If I just told you Damian Priest versus yeah. Finn Balor, that's fun. But then if nothing leads to it, then it's kind of forgettable. And they, I think, also say, hey, got the two months we want out of it. Dude. We're moving on. So NXT aside, right, because maybe they have different writers, but your WWE Raw and SmackDown thing, if Pritchard's in charge, that's how it's going to go. You ever listen to his podcast? Every time he gets questioned about a thing, he'll be like, what? It was good. The crowd liked it. We moved on. Like, that's his thinking. It is the fly by the seats. Next town, what are we going to do here? These people don't know anything else, right? Let's throw this up here. It worked there. Let's go. Well, hey, you know, now that we have active competition, and I know if you're doing dollars to dollars, it's still not a competition 
uh, between WWE and AEW, but it really is right. It's in the early stages. AEW still getting their uh, feet underneath them. In my opinion, it's still a little over a year that the company has even been in business. Hey, if I'm getting my ass kicked in a basketball game, I'm still competing. Right, but uh, but we have the alternative. So let's continue. We'll, we'll continue with um, uh, NXT. But that was just my point. Is yeah, they it just seems like they don't care. So I don't really care either. Right. It's, it's like was it fun? Was it good? Cool. But I'm not going to go any more detail because, to be honest with you, and to be honest with our listener, I'm more invested in AEW. So for the NXT and WWE shows, I just go like, it was fun. As long as I don't hate anything where it was like, what in the hell are we doing? I just kind of just take it at face value. And if AEW competes with uh, WWE, I go AEW and I move on. So anyhow... Uh, what was the next match after Finn and Damian Priest? That was the NXT North American Championship match where Keith Lee successfully defended his title against Johnny Gargano. Um, yeah, I just never got moved by this feud, even though, I mean, it's probably some of the, you know, I don't, I don't know. Gargano's really good at what he does, but it's we're in that mode where, yeah, but he's, you know what I mean? I feel like I've seen this is the third time we've had to run through the same iteration of Johnny Gargano now. So I just never really fell in love with the storyline. So, you know, I took it for what it was, you know, just kind of watch along, like you said, just kind of like as long as nothing was really stupid. And I felt like nothing was really stupid in this match either. So, yeah, again, I was like, all right, these guys. Did yeah, good. there was some real good high points for me, but then there was a really low, low point for me. Uh, the, the high points, and I, I made some notes here, was, again, Johnny Gargano coming out of the house on the NXT set as as if that's where he lives. Yeah, I like that. There was one part of the match where it looked like they were shooting it from a ring camera, so, like, from the door, and, like, Keith Lee runs up behind Johnny Gargano and, you know, hits him from behind. Uh, that was cool because it made it look like almost like security camera footage, you know, when you see those street fights or even when Ring announces or releases videos like that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but my low point of this, and I even put the uh, emoji of the face in the hand, is Keith Lee puts Johnny Gargano through the the plexiglass with a pounce, and then the match still goes on for like four to five more minutes like that wasn't the end we're, we're now at the point we're so desensitized from cool moves that a pounce of a wrestler through plexiglass is a count out or is a kick out at two what are we doing yeah. like that made zero you're just no selling everything now it's enough like AEW does it a lot of too and it's more of an industry thing where it's I hit you with the move but then you counter with your big move and then I counter with my big move and then we do the same move at the same time and we fall down Blah. okay I can take that in small doses but my point to this is if a man in a you know kayfabe way is going through plexiglass and that still is like the midway point what are we doing with our matches? Do people have to be caught on fire to then get counted out at three? Well, and that's the thing, right? So the whole idea of the like uh, kick out at two, right, of so many things is the the genesis of that idea is I'm going to keep getting so hooked on the cliffhanger, right? The cliffhanger is like heroin, right? So now I need more cliffhangers, more cliffhangers. But the problem is it's going to have the same effect as heroin, right? Like that cliffhanger is less meaningful each time. Right. Right. So now I'm just kind of watching, not believing it's ever the finish. And then finally it's like, Oh shit. Okay. 
Oh, that was right. the finish. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that was good. Right. Match. Right? Because I'm not really feeling it now. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I felt like with this match. It was cool. It happened. It was fine. Uh, there was, again, some some fun, cool spots. But that spot put a sour taste in my mouth after that moving forward. Yeah. And so I was kind of checked out. But, you know, Keith Lee's your champ. This is a Spanish announced table public service announcement. Don't do heroin. Or do and just right, or do have, and just be or, around people yeah. that are responsible. Right, Drugs yeah. are great. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna do it, you know, get some good stuff and you know, figure it out. But, but, I mean, hey, officially, right, official statement uh, from corporate, don't do hair unless you want. All right, NXT, unless you, you want. want to, unless you want to. I mean, it's up yeah. to you, right? This is America, right? <laughs> For free. Although we have some listeners across the pond. I don't know what you guys Some of you guys might be able to do heroin. I don't know. All right. NXT Championship. What's it like? All right. NXT Championship. Adam Cole, baby, defeating Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl. Is this only the second backlot brawl? We had a second one before. It was The first one was Piper and Goldust, right? Well, then we also had Guerrero and John Cena, but that didn't have a ring. This was yeah. weird because it had a ring. That's where I was like, what are yeah. we doing? Uh, I'll let you go first. What did you think of this match? I mean, you know, it 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 reminded me a lot of the, you know the ones prior. The ring thing was interesting, right? So now it kind of felt like we were in some Mad Max, uh, you know what I mean, like weird wrestling right? uh, thing, right? Where hey, the lumberjacks might kill you out here outside the ring. They're in trucks; they might run you over, which was weird too. None of those people were mad that like they were getting tossed under their cars, and right? Stuff, so that was yeah. interesting. I would be so pissed. I would get out of my car and fight them. Yeah, like, hey man, what the fuck? Uh, Like, I, I would have, like, I. So again, I'm trying to get over the hump of of believability. Going like, well, look, if I was coming there to watch a fight, I wouldn't like park my car right up there. I'm smart. I park my car around the corner and walk up to this thing, and then be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna get my car fucking Mm -hmm. crashed through. That's dumb. Yeah, I thought this match sucked. Uh, I really did. I I didn't like it at all. Uh, I thought the the match itself, like those two competitors. Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole did a really good job of having an NXT match. That was fine. Checked all the boxes. Good to go. Uh, the camera work damn near gave me a seizure. Uh, it was hard to follow because at one time you see him like lift him up for a suplex, but then we're looking at something else and then there's an Uber driver and then Dexter Loomis shows up and then the Undisputed Era shows up, but then they get chased off. But then it's just, it was a clusterfuck of subpar ideas. And I just thought it sucked. I thought Velveteen Dream for all of the uh, sizzle he had, uh, he's a, to me, it's turning into, and I still like, you know, the call me up Vince tights and the weird like gold dust play on sexuality. That still is kind of intriguing, but he seems like almost, uh, to me, like a, a a lot of sizzle, no steak, and, and so yeah, I'm forgettable now. Yeah, like, and I'm just yeah. done, kind of with the Velveteen Dream. Again, he's fine, it's cool, but I don't give a shit about him. Uh, and then Adam Cole, uh, we'll we'll go into to NXT. I, I'm interested in Karrion Cross, the big bad villain, going up against the smart ass Johnny Cage villain in Adam Cole. Like that's an interesting story t- for me. Uh, but I'm a little bit over Adam Cole as champ. I want to see him struggle. I want to see him come, you know, overcome some real adversity, maybe a breakup of the undisputed era, something, but his, his character is still great, but it's a little stale. It kind of feels like the new day where it's like, Tom. well, we've done the same thing again now. Tom, yes. 
I'm going to hit you with an impromptu T-Mac story. Okay. All right. So much like um, uh, you were speaking on Velveteen Dream, this is going to focus on Velveteen Dream. You're right about Adam Cole as well. It's the same thing I have to think about Adam Cole, but we'll put him aside for a moment. We're going to focus on the dream, baby, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Much like um, you're saying here, right? He's kind of getting old. He's done the whole shtick. We get it. There's nothing really new. If he just takes it up to the main rosters, he's just going to be a mid-carder there because it's going to be kind of hokey. They're going to overdo it if they send it to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Raw, it's just going to be weird, right? So Bray Wyatt f- faced similar things, and he's found ways to always kind of switch things mm-hmm. up, right? So what does Tom do? What's the story to flip Velveteen Dream into something new? What would you do with the Dream to keep him fresh and new. I would have him go through this self-exploration of what he is. I would have his confidence shattered. I would have him to the point where he's considering retirement, uh, put him on a losing streak to where he's losing to guys like Fondango for just no apparent reason. Uh, all of his tricks and, and um, you know, whimsical little attributes in the ring. Head yeah, games and shit. Just work. doesn't work on anyone. He almost becomes... Uh, self-aware that it's not um, a thing that works. It's actually people laughing at him, right? And I would just break him down. I would just have him essentially have him lose a match to Drake Maverick, right? Uh, And make it a hard-fought match to where uh, Velveteen Dream is working. It's not a fluke like roll-up, but where he's working to beat Drake, Drake Maverick. And even Drake Maverick beats him. And at the end, you know, of that match, have him walking backstage and some asshole, you know, Kyle O'Reilly is like, man, you lost to a guy that they almost fired and then just have him walk away. And then that just becomes this like shatter moment for Velveteen dream, put him in all black, put him serious, put him almost like Taz and 96 ECW kind of style where he's not, he's not into this, uh, you know, fun and games and look at me. It's a, I'm here to remind all you motherfuckers that I'm 6'4", 230, 240, and I'm a badass athlete. And then just have him rebuild that way. Uh, If you want to steal from a WWE thing instead of ECW, almost make him like a Kurt Angle wrestling machine where it's just chain wrestling, hard hitting. He's putting a forearm in people's nose. It's just, it's brutal. And then that is where he builds up And then he can get into the, oh, you guys thought all I am is this. And then you can get back to the fun and games, right? But, like, I would have six to eight months of just all black, pissed off, snorting, you know, uh, snot everywhere and just just an animal. Just a fucking vicious asshole wrestler. Yeah, you can even, like, he can drop the the colorful stuff and and over-the-top thing just get dark he could even still call himself the dream or something he can just be like sometimes dreams aren't always good or just start right? calling sometimes himself the nightmare bad you know right? right yeah the velveteen nightmare right yeah why not well and right? you know with the the internet iwc would love it because they would think it's a jab at cody and so that would even cause right. more little you know buzz around his character but yeah i would turn him into this just 
Timothy Thatcher, Matt Riddle when he's pissed, Kurt Angle, Taz style wrestler where it's no well because he's got the build and demeanor to pull yeah, that off. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, and and almost and just have that chip on his shoulder where like he's walking around and and it's not a baby face or a heel thing. It's just like that's Velveteen, and I don't know what his real name is. Let's say it's you know Rick or something. It's Rick or Matt or whatever the fuck his name is, and, and it's Patrick, right? It's Patrick. Clark. Sure, it's Patrick. That's fine. Uh, that's Patrick. And, uh, we're just calling Velveteen for a while, right? He's just Velveteen. He's not the dream, right? When he's pissed off and angry like that, he's just Velveteen. Yeah, something. But yeah, something. I would just make him, I would shatter his dreams to where we feel sympathy for him. And then just through hard work and de- kick him in the nuts. Yeah, just through hard work and determination, we fall in love with, uh, this character. And then once he reaches the pinnacle, then he can have a celebration and then he can go into the, you know, what keeps me on top the mind games. And it's like, Oh shit, that's a callback to when he wrestled riddle at NXT takeover, you know, things like that. That, but that's what I would do with them right now. Cause if you keep yeah. doing the ooh fun little, th- it's whatever, who cares now you're, yeah, you're the weird kid in class that, you know, no one's making eye contact with. All right, well, next match, we had uh, Karrion Cross wrestle fuck Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, what'd you think of this? Man, that was a squash, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was a squash yeah. match. I mean, essentially, now Ciampa did get in some good stuff where it looked like he could have pulled out a, you know what I mean, like a quick throw you a couple jams and seal a victory, but it was not to be, right? And then he got demoralized. So, uh, you know what I mean? It didn't sell him completely out, but, I mean, it was a definitive answer like there's no you know like we don't need to see this match again right i i liked it i like the just kick ass you know carrying cross looks like a guy straight out of blade three i think i said this before on the podcast but he looks like you know uh triple h's wet dream and and it's just we can see that this is triple h all over at least in my opinion and for him to take apart tomaso champa which tomaso champa is tomaso champa he's going to be fine it's not like we're going to get lost in the shuffle with him but uh moving forward after this match when um when what's her name did the hourglass to adam cole after adam cole won his match i thought that was great and that's where i'm i'm interested i'm interested in that right the 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 cool jock star quarterback gets pushed into the lockers by you know the 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 greaser uh badass you know the guy that's not into sports but he'll kick the shit out of you kind of guy uh, and what do we do there? Right. Cause it's two heels, but it's two different style of heels. And Adam Cole still has the undisputed, undisputed era. This would be a good time for their like, Hey Adam, uh, good luck with that guy. We're not fucking with him. And then Adam's like, are you serious? You know, like, and then he gets pushed out, you know, uh, into the ring by himself because the rest of them are scared and then carrying cross just takes well, yeah, over you've him. already established uh roderick strong as being freaked out right and being a paranoid right you're doing that now with dexter mm-hmm. loomis which is probably mm-hmm. done right um and then although he may make you know some weird appearances from time to time just maybe a thorn in their side but um so you got him freaking goofed out you know what i mean and then he can just disappear and then we're like what the fuck did he eat him and then um you know what I mean? And then that's easy to get the other because uh, O'Reilly's out, right? Like he's not around. Yeah, well, he's around, but I don't think he's active. I think maybe he's on the shelf for an injury, but that's a guess. Oh, did he have to go back? Isn't he, I mean, he's Irish. What do you mean? Is he, well, did COVID, did he have to go home and stay or something? Kyle O'Reilly? Yeah. No, I, I think, no, he's he, he's a North American guy. I think he's American, yeah. Maybe Canadian, but I don't think he's in Ireland or anything. Anyway, um, 
Are you sure about that? I don't know. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't fact check this. That's Canadian. We don't huh? fact check here. No, he's Canadian. Okay. He's can- he's up in Canada. Yeah. He's up in America's yeah. hat. All right. So, um, where were we at then? Okay. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, the match is what it was, right? I mean, I knew, I kind of got the feeling like, hey, we're going with Cross, right? They're not going to establish him below Champa right now. Like, they're, they're going to, it was written all over the wall. I didn't give this guy his entrance and the whole thing with this demeanor for nothing. So I just was kind of surprised that at the, like you said, the squashish nature of it. NXT women's championship match, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, EO Shirai. And it's Shirai who uh, gets it in the end. And I think you, uh, you, you called that one too. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because uh, Rhea Ripley was champ at current time. Charlotte was champ. So if you're going to make the three of them, this like three headed monster that leads the women's division, you got to eventually give it to EO. Uh, EO did fine jumping off the house, doing a cross body. I thought was cool. Uh, she's a really good wrestler. I- I'm going to be honest with you though. None of the three of them right now are really inspiring me to watch TV. Excuse me. Um, Charlotte's overexposed. I'm just exhausted from seeing her. I think she's amazing. It's not her fault. I feel like Charlotte is very much like a hit song, right? Where it's like, that's a hit song. And I like that hit song. But then if you're driving around a lot and listening to the radio or, you know, listening to Spotify and playing like the top 50 hits, you keep hearing the same fucking song and it's a good song, but you're like, God damn it. I'm tired of hearing that shit. And then you start to despise it. It's not the song's fault, right? The song performed and does everything as as expected just like charlotte but you're like i'm fucking tired of that and that's how i feel about charlotte uh rhea ripley i don't know she feels like lita to me you know where like lita was cool and interesting and different but i didn't give a shit if her storyline was babyface or heel until she got with edge she was interesting with edge and then you know digging in on matt hardy stuff like that but before that i'm talking about so uh rhea ripley it's is good, right? It's good, manageable character in the WWE. You think world. they'll do something with this Robert Stone thing? I don't know. Again, like I, I hate to sound like the I'm, you know, a, a shill for AEW, but like I just don't care. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> it's just not interesting. It's just not, you know. Um, Robert Stone is fine. He's kind of a bumbling idiot. He only had. Uh, Chelsea, uh, is it Chelsea green, right? Chelsea green for a month. She didn't even get a title shot while, uh, he managed her. So it's like, well, why would you want to be that loser? And then he goes with the girl and then she loses. So it's just a bunch of losers together. So why would Rhea Ripley even entertain the thought? It's not even intriguing. So I don't know. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what did you think then overall final sum up? Yeah, like I said, I liked that it was two hours. It was in and out. It was good. It was nothing kind of overstayed their welcome uh, as far as matches, except for, again, Keith Lee puts Johnny Gargano through the the plexiglass, but then they go for five more minutes, which I thought was an insult. Um, and, you know, it happened. I don't think anything was bad. That's Let me just clarify that. I don't think anything was bad in the slightest, but I don't think I'm going to rewatch this in two weeks, you know, longing for the days of uh, Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. It's just, it happened. We're moving on. Wednesday night happened. You know what I'm saying? No, I do know what you're saying. Yep. Um, NXT. Um, yeah. Anything else? I mean, we kind of covered 
the stuff that happened in NXT. That hey, what's up with this e- EO Del Fantasma? Some other dude now. Like, why did why did they waste time hiding him the whole time? Why he could have just been the same guy and then turned heel in that moment. Like, it's weird. I think it's stupid. That's why I don't think they care. I think it's I think throwing fifteen things up on a wall, up on a wall and seeing what sticks, and that's what stuck for the writing things, right? Like it, that you save that reveal for somebody we would know we didn't realize. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like the fact that like he made his debut, he didn't have to hide his face. We didn't know anything about him. He just made his debut. He still would have been like, a, oh, okay, this guy's winning. And then he turns heel on Drake Maverick, like, but also a reveal and surprise. I'm a different name. What the fuck does I give a shit? Whatever. That was weird. Um, Keith Lee sounds like um, he he acted like he was going to try to go after old uh, Adam Cole. You think we get that anytime soon? Like a little quick title v title? Yeah, I could see that main eventing an NXT, and then that's where Carrying Cross like says time is up and attacks Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era. Like I could see that happening. You know, that's a that's a yeah. that's a WWE uh, mainstay with title versus title, but it was never about title versus title. It was about that guy's uh, program with someone else. So yeah, I think that could work. That would that would make sense to me. Uh, Cameron Grimes, I didn't hate that stuff. Uh, you know, he's fun. I like him. Yeah, I, I I think he's fun. I think how he's trying to get out of the match, saying he had a broken jaw uh, with Finn Balor was really creative and, and cool. Uh, I, I'm a fan of him. I liked him when he was in uh, TNA, um, and, and I like him here in NXT. So a little bit more of him, a little bit less of Charlotte, and I'm good to go. Uh, we're going to get a serious Breezango. You give a shit about that? You know, those guys have a special place in my heart just because it seemed like they – themselves were writing all of those uh fashion police skits and it was it was really good it was entertaining oh yeah they got free reign yeah. Like. yeah and so i always give them the benefit well, and of the we doubt. killed one of them on our show so exactly yeah you're right um so i always give them the benefit of the doubt as far as like okay let, let me give it one more chance i won't just cut it off right now but like, I don't think they're going to be tag champs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm not invested as yeah. far as like, this is the next team to get behind in NXT. Yeah. Like it, it, their pinnacle here would be NXT tag team champs. And that would be like, yeah, look at that. Exactly. Yeah. It would, just, they would almost be transitional champions to maybe give it to uh, Malcolm Bivens team or someone like that. Uh, but you know, they are what they are. Yeah. They don't they don't make me want to change the channel, but if I'm on Dynamite and I turn over to NXT and they're on, I'm not really staying around. I go back to AEW. This other team, this Indushare, I don't know what that's about either. I don't know that I'm going to feel that either. Well, and then the other thing about just WWE as a whole and uh, NXT is a little bit better than uh, the main roster, but tag teams typically don't stay around too long. I know you have the Undisputed Era. Uh, but they either go to the main roster or they get split up. So I'm not going to invest too much time in really anything that's not catching my eye with tag teams. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll move on to the better show, AEW Dynamite. You ready for this? Yeah, Dynamite. Now, I tell you what, this this was some good stuff. Uh, and I know my tune's changing. I'm Mr. Positivity and stuff, but it was more entertaining. Just going to tell you that straight up. Um this was this is the two weeks now in a row that we're back on track, in my opinion, on what AEW should be for me. 
Uh, again, we're getting away from the Mike Tyson, Vitor Belfour. Hey, it's a celebrity face that's, you know, in the ring with a wrestler of ours. It's back to we're building up MJF. We're building up uh, Orange Cassidy. You know, we're, we're investing in our homegrown uh, talent. Yep. So let's roll into it then. Yeah. You still with me? I am still with you. Okay. All right. Couldn't tell. Sound like I lost you. All right. FTR and the return of the dark and twisted butcher in the blade, right? They got done with their Miami cocaine trip. They're back in the weirdo. You know, we've got body parts hanging from the rafters in our barn. And uh, what'd you think of this match? It was a good debut for FTR. I thought um, I was a little confused there for a second because it felt like both teams were being heels where like the would distract the ref and go for a, a roll up. They or, are. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a little bit be like, all right, well, who am I investing in here? Right. It, it kind of felt like a feeling out process, but I did like the little shots in the crowd of Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson looking at FTR. Cause obviously the comparison is FTR is the modern day brain buster. So I like that. That was a good nod to a wrestling fan. Um, and it was good. I, I don't think both teams uh, look cool bad. That, like we've got the brain busters there, right? When yeah. This team is the brain buster knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought both teams looked good, right? It wasn't just big move, big move, big move. FTR wins. Yeah. It was a, it was a battle. Before so AEW, I had no clue about this butcher and blade team, but they're not bad, man. They're good. Yeah. And they have a good look. I like what the butcher comes in and like drops to his knees and does that like circle around the yeah. blade. Yeah. Like they're a cool team. I, I want them to turn up the freaking weirdness, right? Like I want to see the butcher, you know, mutilate wanna, somebody. Well, yeah. I want to see the blade capture some, you know, jobber. They do a backstage segment where the blade throws him into a back, you know, locker room and you see the butcher with a fucking big ass knife. And then we never see that jobber again. It's like, did they kill him? We don't know. And then they just have right. a next, you know, next week they have another tag match. We're like, Oh, those guys kill people in the back. Right. Exactly. Like, do uh, they? Yeah. A uh, post match. We got the, the, the showdown, right? Young bucks come out uh, and didn't do bad. I mean, I'm going to give them their credit, right? Like, like the way they came out, like, Oh, Hey, uh, uh, thanks right but like uh you didn't introduce yourself right like they were coming out not being chickens for what it's worth right uh you know then it ended in a melee right so they didn't have to have a real finish here to this but what do you think yeah i liked uh the young bucks promo which still feels so weird for me to say i like the young bucks in the same sentence i'm still getting used to it uh but i like that it was kind of the hey you came over to this side of the yard like we run this side of pro wrestling like i get that you were over in the big times and you thought you were a big fish but over here we're the big fish uh and i agree with you they didn't have to do anything weird because then it was melee right then sabian and uh and his partner um weirdo old guy comes out and then butcher and the blade still came out and got their uh shit in as well so it was a good mix and, and it shows how honestly how deep uh, their tag team division is because that's just four of the teams we still have private party the tag team champs who also came out uh were there and so it was cool uh, the the kind of three team stare off at the end was a little weird although i really liked how jericho was like well four of those members are the elite like, you know what I mean? Like showing like FTR, if you guys want to pop off, you might be outnumbered here. 
Um, by the way, Jericho, the entire night was just on fire yeah, in the commentary so... booth uh, before he beats up Orange Cassidy, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I like this segment. It was really good. Like you said, Young Bucks came out. It made sense. What they said made sense. And uh, I was a fan. Yeah. All right, then we saw Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander take on Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford. Um, Rose and Ford won. Um, I don't know. I'm still not feeling most of these. Like if, like you said, if we're, if we're being honest, I think the women's division is their weakest point. Um, not that the workers aren't, you know, saw in the ring or anything. It's just like I don't know that the storylines haven't really caught on. If there, you call anything really a storyline, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the emerging star. So obviously, if we're being transparent, uh, I, I believe uh, Britt Baker is probably their best all-around female uh, performer in ring, promo, character uh marketability uh someone you could push to casual fans i think she has the whole package she's their number one and that's just my opinion uh but one person that they've i think are getting behind is penelope ford she's starting to become an emerging star at least in my eyes uh so i like that she got the win here the only thing i will say is uh again i know nxt it's only been around for a year they do have some veterans who are producing the show, or at least, you know, in, in the truck. We got to get around some of these shots of Penelope before because, like, it, her G-string thing is coming into, like, X-rated kind of uh, shots here. And so that was my takeaway from the matches. We need to shoot Maybe Penelope that's before. that's on purpose, Tom. Well, hey, I get it. And remember, Tori Wilson became really famous for similar shots during her matches. But what I'm getting at is... Uh, I, w- I want to take these women seriously and I don't want to uh, have their matches become, uh, you know, uh, a physical exam is what I'm getting at. And so um, you know, I know you're getting old, Tom. How you you want to respect the women. I do want to respect the women. And yeah. I uh, well, and I'm also not an OBGYN. I don't need to see. Any, right. <laughs> I don't need to be seeing any of the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, let's, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, yeah. But the like, match was oh, fine. Yeah. yeah, the match like, was. Oh, they actually, right? They have value, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're not we're not like full of testosterone and and, and you know what I mean like just mouth breathing our way like. <laughs> right, <laughs> Ugh, show that shot again of the of the Northern Lights suplex. <laughs> like yeah, uh, but I thought this match was fine, and I thought it was really important that Penelope Ford got the win. I think that was the most important part of the whole segment. Is that again, uh, this rising star in the women's division, like. And I agree with you. It does need the most work in AEW, but at least we have some people, right? We have a, a solid baby face champion. We have this beast that can just, you know, run through anyone in Nyla Rose. We have an emerging star in Penelope Ford. And then again, I think the most universally best women's pro wrestler in AEW, Britt Baker, unfortunately she's injured is there too. And then we even got girls like big swole out there who I like that just wants to flex and beat some ass. So, you know, I I'm, I'm becoming a fan of AEW, but it has a long ways to go. Yeah. I, uh, we also got a Darby Allen skateboarding with Tony Hawk. We had another Britt Baker video package. Those were fun, you know, quick, easy to digest. By the way, again, in one year's time on AEW television, we've had Tony Hawk, uh, Fluffy, the comedian who's just killing it before, you know, uh, coronavirus was just selling out all across the world. We had Jay and Silent Bob. We had the Hulk, 
uh, Lou Ferrigno. Uh, we had Vicky Guerrero, which I know isn't a celebrity, but still, it's someone of note. Uh, yeah, they're getting good. Mike Tyson, they're getting good celebrity like endorsements of uh, their product. By the way, last week we didn't touch on that. Vicky Guerrero doesn't need a microphone. Apparently, like she just came no. out. Yeah. <laughs> You know that. It was She's just the like, best. Are you ready? It's <laughs> like, oh my god, damn. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Right. Yeah, she's the best. She's so fun. Uh I mean, she uh, can quickly be oversaturated, right, with her, but uh it's so fun for those moments. Um we got the best friends and Orange Cassidy taking on Hager Ortiz and Santana. Now this was fun. Uh like you said, Jericho's on fire. Uh just uh, hit it. What what do you got for? Okay, so I I think I uh I text message you this this line and I'll just say it verbatim. Uh let me hear, let me find it here. Jake Hager looks like he's beating up his 15-year-old self. Now this is what Jer- yeah. Jericho said as Hager was beating up Orange Cassidy and I laughed so hard. I it was such a this good so line. True. Yeah, it was such a good line that I had to tell my wife. I was like, "Emily, Emily, listen to this line." And she's like, "Okay, whatever, loser." But I was just like, "That was so funny." Um I thought this whole match was really good, but I thought post-match it was really, really just clever uh, for the inner circle to beat up Orange Cassidy and then for Jericho to hit Orange Cassidy with 20 pounds, air quotes, of blood oranges was just so just I mean, Jericho. And then he said, "Blood Orange Cassidy has just been juiced." Yeah, I mean, and and he says it in such an asshole way, where it's like he doesn't want to make that a T-shirt. He just wants to piss you off. Like, remember when he was in Kansas City and he said Aaron Mahomes is a piece of shit, which he obviously yeah. you know was talking about Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't know his name, but we know who he was talking about. It's just lines like that where it's like, God damn it, you're such a dick. But I like it. It's so good. It, he's. Another creative way. I hope he always stays on some type of creative team for uh, pro wrestling. Like for, I'm surprised the ring didn't give out from the vibrations of the booze when he said that in Kansas City. Oh God, yeah. And, oh, everyone was pissed that night. <laughs> yeah, that was real heat. You don't talk about our Patrick Mahomes. I'm telling you that. Uh, but with this, yeah, I mean to think of grabbing blood oranges and to hit a guy upside the head with it is just so funny. Uh, and then he takes one of the oranges and he like eats it and lets it like the juices go down his chest and stuff. And then he says that stupid ass line. Yeah, it was good. And I, and now I'm more even in the corner of orange Cassidy. So it accomplished the goal. It wasn't like I now hate orange Cassidy. I'm more in favor of him winning. So perfect segment. Uh, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman, uh, taking on, uh, what do you do? Uh, oh, oh, wait, uh, I didn't take him on. He was back there uh, talking smack to Billy Gunn, right? Um, and his kid, who's, yeah, why is he here? Right. Well, now he has two kids there, right? So Austin right. Gunn, I'll say this. In this pandemic era of pro wrestling, the MVP of crowd participation is Austin Gunn. He has been stellar through week one to last week uh, throughout all of these shows. I think he needs a match just for the work he's doing in in the crowd, to be honest with you, but this is somewhat of a reset or kind of a, a stall for MJF. I feel, you know, to his point, he's been undefeated for a year. He's the number one contender for three straight weeks. Like, what are we doing with Billy Gunn? You know what I'm saying? Like it can't be exactly. 
Darby. Now I understand Darby Allen is, you know, medically uncleared. And then that skateboard trick. God, he's such Jeff Hardy, isn't he? Darby Allen. Oh yeah. God. Yep. Anyhow. And I just don't get it. I like him. I'm interested in him, but like the skateboarding thing, Tony Hawk's awesome, but I'm not into that. But anyhow, uh, but MJF should be wrestling a guy like that. Not Billy Gunn. This feels like a, well, what do we have for MJF? Well, we got to keep him on TV. So Billy Gunn, like, I don't know. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of next week's match between the two of them. Now I know something might happen and I'll be back invested, but I was a little let down that it's going to be MJF, the rising star. And again, someone I think they should be investing even more time into with Billy Gunn, you know. Well, then we got uh, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, defeating Boom Boom Colt Cabana. Um, and AEW does this kind of semi-frequently where they do two kind of segments post-match with both folks, right? So then we got the Dark Order kind of, you know, handout. They, all the guys from the Dark Order, well, not, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The, the, the main players are all in one room again and then, you know, offering them the hand up and then just that's it. And then Guevara's like, yeah, get out of here, loser, right? And then we get the Matt Hardy thing, which, I don't know, was weird to me. But what, let's start with the Boom Boom and the Dark Order. We see later Boom Boom going into the door, but that's all we know, right? Yeah, and that's still interesting, right? Like, this is the kind of storytelling I want. It's a three-week still pro- progressing to something. We don't know what. It could be, again, the Daniel Bryan joins the Wyatt family, just get one over on you know Brody Lee in this case, or he joins the Dark Order. And with AEW, we don't know their booking tendencies, so I'm interested at least. Uh, you could even change his name to Colt Cabana, C-U-L-T, like a cult, Colt Cabana. I think that would be smart. Um, what? What do you think about that, Tim? It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Right? Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana. Huh? I think that's the... a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's great, right? <laughs> I mean, because he can't be I mean, cold. Funny. Well, I mean, it would fit him, right? He's sticky like that. Yeah, sell some shirts of Colt Cabana. I think that'd be funny. Um, and then yeah, Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. I like the feud. Uh. I like this feud. I, I I like the the backstory of Matt Hardy running him down twice with a golf cart and just yeah. the history. But the Matt Hardy. So this is what I was going to say. The Matt Hardy different versions, I think, is cool. If it was used more like how Mick Foley would when he yes. needs to go to a hardcore match, he's Cactus Jack. I don't need to see all of them in the same sentence. Yeah, that's where I. That's it's getting a that. This is where. Jump the shark. Right. And this is where I think if it was allowed in WWE, someone would say like, Hey Matt, we love all these personalities, but we're not going to do this weird. I put my head down and I make some gargling noises and now I'm version one and then I do it again. And now I'm broken. It, it, it needs to be coherent. Well, and it needs to be a little bit more like he gets the joke. He's not, uh, he doesn't have multiple personality disorder he knows that when it's time to pull out a certain part of his being, when it's time to, you know, mentor a team like private party, he's matitude. But when it's time to get wild and crazy, he's broken Matt Hardy. I didn't like the the multiple personality. That was a miss for me. But I do like this feud. I think Sammy Guevara maybe going babyface. I think this is what's going to get to him, right? It's the Matt Hardy saying, you'd be a number one guy if you weren't with Jericho. Maybe that's the purpose of this. 
I could easily see this time next year a a AEW title match with heel MJF and babyface Sammy Guevara. That could easily be something I could see in a year. And so uh, I think we need to. I love the inner circle, but I think there needs to be some turmoil, right? We've gotten a we've gotten a lot of just the inner circles, the inner circle. We lose, but we're still together. Well, if you lose enough, you're going to start getting pissed at each other, especially if you're heels. So I want to see some turmoil. And again, I think the baby face that emerges from that group is Sammy Guevara. Maybe this is what does it. All right. What we got next too was a a, a Joey Janela uh, video, which was interesting, right? I mean, he's making good points, right? Like, uh, you know, hey, I was in a main event. What happened? And then he's drunk and he's staggering. And then Sonny Kiss shows up, uh, gives him a ride. So I don't know. Are we getting a tag team out of this? Or are we getting like a, a relationship out of this? Or are we getting a... Uh, What's the deal here? This is what I love. This is what I want from AEW is I don't know much about Joey Janela. They made reference to the one thing that I do know about Joey Janela, and that's jumping off a damn building through all of those, um, the, those lights and tables, right? Like that was what I was made aware of from Joey Janela. Uh, but I don't really know much else. And he made a perfect point. Like you said, he was in the main event against John Moxley on an AEW dynamite. And now he's in the crowd, you know, doing the cabbage patch with private party. Like what the fuck happened? Uh, this is where I want them to invest in the new next era. Like, don't sign again. I think these guys are great, but it's just how I feel. I don't want them to sign Rusev and Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. I want them to invest in Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. Those guys can go to Impact. Right, exactly. Go to Impact and see if you can do uh, make a splash over there. But for me, AEW needs to be doing more of this, more of the character development, storytelling of two guys uh Sonny Kiss is non-binary. I don't think he identifies as a guy or girl, so I'm not exactly sure what he, what Sonny would like to be referred to, but I'm going to say he until I'm corrected. Yeah, um, I specifically avoided any pronouns, pal. Right, yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't know what to do because I was referring to both of them. Uh, but this is what I want to do. I, I, I want to watch new characters and fresh stories. And, and what is next, right? What is next? After that, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. And that's what, what I'm going to watch next week is to see if we get a payoff. And that's right. what I like. It's great. I, I do agree with you. It's, it's, I like that it's to be continued and I want to see what it is. So I like if next week they don't say something about it, I'm going to be mad. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. What we got here was John Moxley. And I like this. I like where his interview was going. And then I like how Taz was like, nah, fuck this. I'm, I've been sitting back here. I'm listening. To this is bullshit. Right. And then comes up and he's just like, nah, Screw it. Stop talking. And we're just going to kick the shit out of you. And then they do. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, I had in my notes here. This is the best Moxley promo since being champion. I thought it was to the point. Believable. um, Something you can get behind. It's almost like we said. Right. Like uh, I think we kind of said on last week. Like if Moxley would just come out and say like, nah, man, because you're not going to beat me. Like if that was his driving motivator, like nobody beats me. Right. Like and he said it a different way. He said like. The fact that somebody thinks they can beat me pisses me off. Yeah, and that's something that you can get behind. That's one of the attributes of the Stone Cold character that was so 
uh, relatable to other people is that confidence in this, like, man, this guy's a badass, right? Like if you go into the world of MMA, that's one of the attributes that you typically like in a fighter is that, uh, will to win the, I, I don't think the next person can out compete me in anything, right? If we're doing darts, if we're doing sprints, if we're fighting, if we're whatever it is, I'm going to beat you in anything. And that's what Moxley was alluding to. And that's why I liked it so much. Uh, and then, yeah, Taz was just like, no, let's cut it off right there. You're a fucking piece of shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, essentially, that's right. what he said. And that was cool. Just the because, you know, that promo could have easily just been, wow, Moxley, we, you know, fucking cages really right. fucked in this match. Right. But Taz being the manager was just like, no, fuck that. That's the, the buck stops here, as Harry Truman would say. And I'm fucking stopping this shit right now. And then Brian Cage jumps him from behind and they have a street fight. Yeah, this was cool. This got me a little bit more interested in uh, the title picture and the title match at Fighter Fest. So I, I was a big fan of it. Yeah, I was a big fan of it as well. Um, uh, Cody Rhodes, TNT Championship, Mark Quinn, uh, you know, like, we knew Rhodes wasn't going to lose this, right? It would have been a shocker. So that was, you know, a good match. But, you know, when you kind of know what's going to happen, you just find out, you know what I mean? I feel like I just follow along. The post-match, though, again, we get Hager coming out. It was a good spot, right? I think, yeah. you know, I like the uh, staring you down, then the fight breaks out, and then he's like, hey, I know what you want. You got it. Let's go. Yeah, I like this whole segment. So first off, th this is my notes from from the main event. Uh, that private party theme song is very good. Right. Uh, that could be my favorite theme other than Jericho's Judas effect or Judas song from Fozzie, but that's different because that was a recorded song before he was, you know, a, a wrestler. But that uh, private party song, very good. I almost want to download it if I can find it somewhere. If you know where it is, listener, uh, send it over to me, tmac underscore eight one six. I'd like to download it. Anyhow. Um, the one thing that I do like about Cody with uh, this run in AEW, not just as the TNT champion, is he wins in so many different manners, right? So if you remember, he beat Sean Spears by pinning him in a figure four. And then this one, Mark Quinn has an ankle injury. So it would be kind of silly to say, I'm going to beat him with uh, crossroads. I'm going to beat him with an ankle lock. Cause he has a bum ankle. Like that totally makes sense. If this was a legit fight, if me and you are fighting and I noticed that one of your legs isn't working like the other one, I'm going to go after that leg. And so that's the little details of a Cody Rhodes match or a Cody, excuse me, match, uh, that I've really been a, a big fan of. It's like, he just doesn't hit the finisher and then one, two, three. It's in this case, an ankle lock. Or like I said, uh, he pins Sean Spears uh, with a figure four. So it, it's original, coherent, uh, believable storytelling in a match. So I like that a lot. A uh, couple other notes I had, though. Uh, Dasha, this is where it gets, gets a little, I'm going to get a little negative. And I got negative with WWE, so I have to get a little negative when I see it in AEW. Dasha, uh, you suck. You are very bad. The, you had mentioned it, that Colt Cabana backstage segment, that horrible acting where she obviously missed her cue and then does the fake uh, look around and then just goes, oh, he's right there. And then the silly question, she just looked out of place and just not good. And I get it, right? She's still kind of new to that backstage reporter role uh, in the big picture of things. And, you know, we're supposed to allow everyone to develop, but this is the second biggest promotion in the world. Like there's other people we can hire to do that. So like, let's kick her to the curb. I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Tim, you go do it. I, I bet you're going to do it better than her. 
And then JR, look, I know I keep sounding like a broken record, but this poor old bastard just sounds like a broken record from the 1990s. His references, like, you know, your good natured grandpa that you, you know, like you let him come hang out at the bar, even though you're like, ah, man, you know, he says some stuff that like, it's not bad. Like, no, it's not racist or bad old man. It's just like, yeah, but you kind of don't get the point, right? Well, and it's just like he's mentioning only his friends, right? So he's like, like Dusty Rhodes used to tell me, yeah. uh, that's a bull in a china shop or whatever it is. And it's like, my guy, we're talking about MJF or, you know, we're talking about like focus, focus on today and right now. Stop trying to revert back to the things that make Stop you comfortable. Stop trying to link everything to the past. Yeah, like it's good in certain spots, but man, it's just eye-rolling bad. Yeah. Yep. All right, so that was Dynamite, though, still, you know, home run of a show, right? Oh, each each show, honest to God, this is my, my legit opinion of each show, outside of that one show that ended with Mike Tyson and his group of MMA fighters, uh, I have left each show wanting to watch the next episode. Like I've been like, yep, I can't wait. I want to know what Joey Janela is doing. I want to know the next uh, uh, story with Moxley and cage. I want to know if MJF, even though it feels like a stall, what he's going to do with some time on TV. We still got jungle boy. We still have Luchasaurus. Like there, it's just a lot of cool shit going on. And FTR is still emerging as a tag team. So it's like, I can't wait for next Wednesday. And that's a great feeling to have. All right. Well, let's roll into our backlash picks then, right? We got WWE backlash coming. And, um, eh, you know, if I don't catch this one live, I might not catch it at all. Let's roll into it. What do you think, Tom? Um, I agree. Well, I'm going to watch some of this, right? We got to watch the greatest wrestling match of all time. That's like you said, is going to be a roll up, but we'll get into that. Uh, Apollo Cruz, Andrade, United States title match. What say you? Um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. <laughs> I think, I think with the current climate in America and also across the world, but definitely in America, I would be shocked to see an emerging star in Apollo Cruz lose his championship. After a three week push that would, that would, I think, irritate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would irritate a lot of the IWC, especially the African-American culture in IWC. Uh, So for that reason, and I think Andrade's the blooms off the flower, as they say, I think um, Andrade's kind of old news to me. Uh, So I think Apollo Cruz is the way, the way to go. I think we're moving forward with him. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, not even with, like you said, the socio-political stuff going on around. Like, I, I, this would have been a no-brainer. Apollo Crews wins this for me. Um, we get a women's tag team triple threat match. Bailey and Sasha, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and the Iconics. I feel like Bailey and Sasha Banks are winning this because, like, the only two – I don't think the Iconics are going to win it, and they could flip-flop back and forth, but I feel like Bliss and Cross were in their course, so I think Bailey and Sasha – win even though that's gonna not do much either so i don't know i think bailey and sasha banks win so 
I'll give you two scenarios, the one that I want and the one that I think will happen. So the one I think will happen is Bailey and Sasha, right? The way we're the best in the world. And then we're going to continue because this whole match is just the storyline of Bailey and Sasha. Eventually they're going to, one of them is going to turn on the other one and we'll get no. that story eventually. Right? No, they would never do that. No, they will, Tim. They, they absolutely <laughs> will. But here's the fun story that we could tell if we're going to break up Bailey and Sasha, which we are, if you no, remember, they'll never do that. Well, they will, Tim. Okay. So <laughs> if you remember at WrestleMania, when Bailey and Sasha were the tag team champs, they lost their titles to the Iconics. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't it be fucking cool if they lost to the Iconics again? So we all know as little uh, smart marks that after uh, Bailey and Sasha lost their titles. They threw some hissy fit backstage. They sat down on the floor. They refused to get up. They cried. They wham, blah, blah, blah. Do that in the ring. Have the Iconics beat them again and have them throw a fit in the ring. I think that would be perfect. You got the Iconics. You can move on with their championship run, yada, yada, yada. I but then we they have that. They did. They like, they like did a sit in. <laughs> yeah. And so you do the sit in. On TV, we make the backstage to the front stage or the camera, and we do that for the viewer. And then that can be the unraveling of Bailey and Sasha, right? So they have their hissy fit and they boohoo and cry. And then Friday on SmackDown, they start blaming each other. Like, you know, the reason we lost again, just like we lost the first time, was because of you. And then the other person goes, no, it was because of you. And then boom, boom, boom. There we go. Now we got Bailey and Sasha. That would be the cool thing. They would but they're not cool. Yeah, they're not cool, so Bailey and Sasha. All right. Uh, speaking of not cool, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, have we still confirmed who hit Elias? Do we realize that we're trying to kill Elias? We've thrown yeah, we him off. To kill Elias. Well, they said he's going to be gone for a while. Oh, okay, but, but still. Trying to kill him. Yeah, still storyline. That's he's not been... the storyline. It's that we lied about Jeff Hardy. It's not that like we tried to kill Elias to lie about Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and again, uh, Baron Corbin threw him off the stage, and he was fine to show up a couple days later for a wrestling match. Now he's been hit with a car, but no one's doing a follow-up or an interview from home on like what he saw. We're just going to forget about him. Uh, and then we've got, yeah, a, a match from 2012. Okay, dope. I don't care. It's going to be yeah, Sheamus. Sheamus wins, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oscar Nia Jax, Raw Women's Championship match. Ah, Asuka wins this. Yeah, the bigger story that they're telling with Asuka is actually pretty interesting. And the bigger story is that Asuka can't beat Charlotte. Now, again, Charlotte is great, but she is overexposed. So I think we need a couple weeks where we just don't see her. But Asuka beats Nia Jax. Asuka can beat Shayna Baszler. Asuka can beat uh, Liv Morgan, right? But the whole story that we should keep telling the audience is, you know who she can't beat, though? Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. And then that's when Charlotte can come back into the title picture and, and be like, well, yeah, but the story could be like, Hey, cool. You're beating all these nobodies. You know who you still can't beat me. And then we get a SummerSlam or whatever the pay-per-view match is between those two. And then yeah, Oscar can overcome very much like how Becky overcame Oscar. We would have Oscar overcome Charlotte. So, uh, going back to this specific match, uh, I think the blubbering idiot Nia Jax uh, should lose and lose in a humiliating fashion, and Oscar retains. Yeah, 
by the way, did we forget? Well, she hurt um, Kyrie Singh. And then she also mimicked, she said, Japanese talk. Like she said that on Raw. That is something you can go back and see. And we're just like, I get it, right? When you're a heel and you're trying to get heat, sometimes a slip of the tongue, which you don't mean. And I'm, I'm going to account for that, right? It's, she was trying to get heat. She crossed the line that she probably doesn't feel that way. However, get her the fuck off TV. She hurts people. And now she's making racist comments. Like get the fuck out of here. Five strikes is enough. Yeah. All right. Braun Strowman versus the Miz and John Morrison in a universal championship handicap match. And Strowman's going to win this. Well, yeah, because you know what? Braun Strowman loves to beat the fuck out of tag teams. Like yeah. that's the that's the takeaway I've always had of Braun Strowman is, you know, WrestleMania. He wins it with a he wins a tag champion uh, tag team championships with a 10 year old. Um, he did, however, lose the Intercontinental Championship match in a two on one. That's how Sami Zayn became champion. So maybe. But no, it's going to be Braun Strowman. Uh, well, did I, they say like. Would like would the Miz and Morrison pull like a lay cool if they because maybe you know that would be cool right again that would be another awesome thing out of the box and then somehow when Miz and Morrison are fighting uh, one of them storms off Otis gets in the ring does a roll up and now we get Otis as champion that would be hilarious no uh, at that point but then you've got to like have a contention because then Otis is half the champion with the other guy and then they've got to have a unifying match. And there you go. You got two matches, right? You got right. him winning the championship and then him unifying against the Miz. Well, and then the other one can screw the other one over and allow Otis to win the whole thing. Exactly. See how we're getting fun with shit instead of boring and Bruce Pritchard fucking bullshit. His podcast is fun, but he sucks as a booker. Anyhow, um, uh, this is where I think uh, specifically to this match. Maybe the way Braun Strowman gets the win is, you know, they've been teasing this hacker for it feels like six months. Maybe the hacker un unveils some, you know, Morrison really doesn't like the Miz during the match video kind of thing. And that just, yeah. you know, that hates, uh, that creates the, who is it? Is it, is it just the, is it, um, what's his name? The guy's been gone for a bit. Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. it's him because it's the same imagery, right? Yeah, and then again, he can come out as like a hacker thing, like what they tried to do with Sammy Callahan. Well, he was a policeman for, before, so maybe he's got some, you know what I mean, know how to like get the systems, right? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it's all stupid. SmackDown's the worst show in wrestling. Um, but yeah, Braun Strowman. SmackDown is the worst show in, uh, uh, of all Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and NXT, right? Yep. Yeah, it's the worst Yep. All right. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, WWE Championship match. Man, what do you think? I could go either way on this, right? Like, I kind of wanted to go Bobby Lashley just because I think the storyline and, and MVP, you know, uh, being like his kind of manager now, right? Like, uh, you know, but uh, Drew McIntyre's not really doing it for me. So I'm going to say I hope Bobby Lashley, but I'm not sure, man. They might go. No, oh, screw it. I'll say Bobby. Let's go. I got Drew McIntyre because Lana has this yeah, jealousy, right. right? She costs, she goes out there and kind of has two left feet and costs 
Lashley the match by, you know, interfering stupidly, uh, not even trying to. And then that's where we're going to get the tension. I think then yeah, eventually. She tries to do right. She tries to help them. And, and right. And then them. MVP is like, this is why you shouldn't come out with Bobby Lashley. And then Bobby's like, you bitch. Right. Like, that's the story. We yeah, we're like, he had it through. easy. Right. Like he had it easy in the water. She didn't even need to help right then, but she was trying to. Right. That's what I think we're going to do here, which would still be cool. I'm not saying that that's that's a bad idea, uh, but that's why I got Drew McIntyre. All right. And then the greatest wrestling match ever, Edge, Randy Orton. And I can't view it any other way as as what you said, right? This is going to be like a quick snap. The only thing I I could see, right, that follows the logical storyline is Edge doesn't have it, right? Like he's a step slow. He, you know what I mean? So, and then it's a little bit longer. It's not necessarily a roll up, but it is, you know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't have it. And then we continue this on and he just keeps egging him on. Right. We get a third match. That's a big knockdown drag out or something. Yeah. It's either going to be a quick roll up or it's going to be the finger. No, it's going to be the finger poke of doom. Right. So edge walks out there. Yeah. Edge walks out there with Christian Christian's in his corner. Hey, edge, you've got this, you've got this. Uh, he looks to, you know, they're doing a like face to face thing. Edge is like, I do have this. He turns Randy Orton pokes edge edge does this big, like Kevin Nash, uh, back bump. Orton covers him one, two, three. Christian looks at him like, what the hell? Christian gets in the ring. Like, what are you doing? And then rated RKO beats the fuck out of Christian. And we get edge versus Christian. Yeah. Except like, I I mean, what they're going to do it against Christian? And I mean, the only thing he could be mad at him for is a speech, maybe. And then, but then, like now, you decided to side with Randy Orton, or maybe you know, Randy taught you you, you need to follow Randy to get the edge back. And I don't know. Yeah. Oh God, I know. How stupid is that? God, Edge could be working with Alistair Black or Sami Zayn or Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles and a, but we're going to do this whole senior circuit of 2010 matches with Christian and Randy Orton fucking bullshit or they're going to do like you said the edge is lost a step kind of thing and Randy Orton wins and then that's when we we're going to get a edge um, training montage for the next couple weeks yeah and then we're going to do a third match because that's what we need is more 2010 Ugh. when's AEW doing fighter fest i want to talk about fighter fest <laughs> yeah i think it's the first so yeah it's coming up soon it's the first and the eighth of july i believe uh so yeah we got a couple weeks but fighter fest fighter F- I, hey i'm not trying to be such a downer on uh wwe but i'm gonna be honest with you uh you tim and you the listener no story that they're telling is compelling enough for me to care week to week. Uh, they just do little sprinkles for me to just care enough. Uh, but AEW's again, knocking home runs each and every week. And some things are a little bit of a miss, but it's still better than any of the, you know, at bats that WWE is having. If I'm using this baseball analogy, uh, a, a feud between Billy Gunn and MJF is still better than a feud between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley for the Universal Championship. Yeah, I mean, geez, I agree kind of wholeheartedly with the Fighter Fest thing, man. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I can't say anything any better myself. And we've been going long, so let's just wrap it up. Um, you know, not really looking forward to Backlash all that much, but you know, interested to see what angles they take, and then, um, you know, 
interested to see what we can talk about when we uh, reconvene next week. Yeah, all I know is I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to get some blood oranges. The Spanish Announce Table.